Welcome to the Evolve Move Play podcast. I'm your host, Rafe Kelly. At Evolve Move Play, our aim is to help you cultivate a more meaningful life and a more heroic self by reconnecting deeply to movement, mindfulness, nature, and community practices. This podcast was created to bring the best and brightest minds in all of these subjects together to better understand how we can create an empowering and sustainable ecology of practices for personal growth. If you're interested in being part of this ongoing conversation, the best way you can support us and get involved is by joining our Podcast Plus membership. By joining, you will get backstage access to our live podcast airing once a month, as well as a private question and answer session with me and our guests after the show. On top of that, you'll get access to our thriving online community where you can continue these deeper discussions with people all over the world who are just as passionate and curious about these topics as you. More details about the membership as well as the link to get signed up are in the description below. And whether you can join, be sure to like, share, subscribe, and hit that bell icon so that you can be notified every Monday when our episodes drop. Thanks so much for your support, and we hope you enjoy the show. Excellent. It's good to see you guys again. Welcome to the All Move Play podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Move Play coaches. So uh, for everyone in the audience, this episode is basically an episode for the coaches who work together for this year's retreats to catch up and kind of explore uh, how we're growing, what we're learning, what our big takeaways were, and how we got to where we are. So Kyle's been on the podcast before, and Aaron's been on the podcast before a couple of times, but Robert has actually never been on the podcast. So we're going to go around and just uh, have you guys introduce yourselves and sort of what your, your background is and how you got involved with Evolve Move Play. Um, and we're going to start with Robert. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to be on this side of the, uh, the camera. I'm usually doing the editing and the uploading and all that stuff. So this is, this is exciting. Uh, I'm Robert, Robert Lansdale. Um, been working with Rafe now for six plus years, something like that. I think I first trained with you in 2015. Yep. Um, yeah, that was the year. Yeah, I got my kind of start in this general world with uh, martial arts back when I was uh, 15 years old. So I've been doing that for 17 years now, I think is the started training or teaching when I was in uh, 16, started doing the instructor training course there uh, at my dojo. And um, around about 2009, I found out about MoveNet and got really obsessed with natural movement. And actually the uh, uh, Danny Clark, uh, what's up, Angelo? Can you turn your video off, sir? Thank you, sir. Uh, but yeah, Danny and Abby Clark turned me on to you. And uh, I was like, oh shit, there's a guy in Seattle that's doing all this stuff. Came out to train and absolutely fell in love with it, changed my life. Um, so just been kind of diving into all of that for the last five or six years. And it's been really, really wonderful. Yeah. So I was thinking about it before we started this call, you're, you're the kind of the, the main, the main architect or main um, support person in our online Academy. Mm -hmm. so kind of have an idea of what the students are experiencing there. You've also done the most two day seminars with me of all the staff. So you kind of have the best view of academy um, retreats and, and two-day stuff. So that'll be interesting to get into as we go forward. Yeah. Before we go forward, let's go ahead and have Aaron introduce himself. Tell us a little bit about your background, Aaron, and how you ended up uh, helping me with my weird retreats. <laughs> well, I just drank a glass of milk. 
It was so good. And that milk comes from a farm that I work on right now, which has been awesome. So right now I work on a farm, but I, for 20 years, I taught yoga. Um, I grew up in Japan and Brazil. And I think that sort of shaped like speaking different languages and being into different cultures. Um, like one of my earliest memories, actually one of my earliest memories was of my dad riding on a motorcycle with my dad and walking into this hut where there's smoke just billowing out of the window. And then he went behind this screen door with this old man and he started screaming. Ah! And I busted through the screen door, you know, the paper doors. And this guy was stepping on my dad. He was giving him barefoot shots, but I tackled him and tried to knock him down. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's one of my earliest memories of actually like, oh, my dad was engaging with something that was embodiment oriented. Um, he used to do yoga and I used to climb on him. And um, yeah, I guess professionally, I've always been doing odd jobs, but also like my main income has always been um, teaching embodiment of some sort. Yoga is my main background, capoeira. Um, I became good friends with Guido Portal before he kind of took off and we've exchanged a lot of ideas about things. Um, and I met you, Rafe. You know this, but other people don't. I met you <laughs> on the East Coast. We were teaching a seminar together. And I was really impressed. I liked scouting before the seminar. We scouted out and we saw this, this cedar. What was it? It was a tree, oh, yeah. two trees intertwined, right? There was this like, yeah, I, I think, think a were maples. winding around. A, yeah. yeah. And we kind of shimmied up and traversed from tree to tree. And it kind of opened up my my horizon as to what's possible in nature even though i've always been a movement in nature person um you opened up a lot for me on that day and it's been a pleasure to kind of stay in touch to support these uh these amazing retreats that you lead um i think storytelling has also been a huge part of my my journey I think when, when I first started doing the movement thing, it was very new. A lot of people did fitness, right? But people weren't into embodiment in the same way. And now that there's a slew of people who are into embodiment and movement cultures happen, I've kind of like, <laughs> I leave it to them. And I'm moving into like the realm of story and uh, meaning and sense making. That's really where my interest is. I love losing you a little bit Aaron so um hopefully your connection will stay strong okay so let's uh let's move on to Kyle, Kyle. yeah it's tough up here in the treehouse yeah <laughs> what's up everybody you. my name is Kyle Cock, and I'm currently on the shores of Leech Lake in northern Minnesota if you hear some geese there's a gaggle of about mm, easily like 150 Canadian geese out on the water in front of me so I'm here in the nature and but it hasn't always been this way uh, once upon a time a long long time ago I was in the IT field I used to sit 8 10 12 hours a day coding and uh, getting on the phone and helping people solve their printer and software issues. You can only imagine this clean face in a button up um, just on the other side of your internet connection, solving all your woes. Um, but being pretty dissatisfied with the world and realizing I had no skills 
outside of the realm of the computer, I embarked on a, a journey into the wilderness. I went to the Wilderness Awareness School where I learned how to make fire and track animals and listen to birds and people and landscapes. And that really led me to this idea of human potential. I really, God damn, I'm a untapped well of human potential. I'm capable of so much just within this meat suit that I carry around with me. And I got into natural movement. I watched a lot of Rafe's videos on YouTube. I met Rafe under a cedar tree in Seattle. One day at Volunteer Park, and um, I came to I came to this a seminar as a student. After that, and um, kind of went on my own journey, explored um, like Sistema martial arts and cold training with Wim Hof, and again all these kind of ideas of like human potential, like what are we capable of when we just learn to better utilize these tools and. Um, coming back across Rafe's work and just started to see this convergence um, that really started to happen listening to his podcast and hearing a lot of his ideas and um, getting turned on to John Verveke's work was like just so pivotal um, for forming and cultivating my character. And, and at that point, I like knew I'm like, there's something here. I want to really dive in and uh, yeah, I started working with Rafe and Robert more closely, um, doing some retreats, showing up for weekly trainings and uh, um, getting more and more involved in the retreats, which is definitely my favorite thing um, to do. It's just moving and connecting with humans and landscapes Oh, so good. So that's a little tiny bit of my story. There's lots in there, but we got other things to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to have you guys introduced to the audience. So I, what I wanted to do actually is ask each of you guys to describe what a retreat is. Like what's the elevator pitch in your mind for, for one of our retreats? Because I think that uh, it's not an easy thing to sum up actually. So I think we'll go in the same order. We'll start with Robert. For me, the retreat was really like the gateway to figuring out that I had had the story of who I was wrong, right? Like I grew up a fat kid, like from third grade all the way through uh, after I graduated high school, just really, really fat and uh, got made fun of a lot for it. Um, you know, all those voices of the, the people who looked down on me kind of became my own inner monologue. And uh, when you go to one of these things, you, it's kind of like going to a, a different world, right? Got all these like Japanese anime about going to a different world and, and becoming the hero. And, and it's like, it's kind of like a real life version of that. Like you go to this magical place where you have to do things that you would never do in your normal life and you face your fear and you face your doubts but never alone you always have this group of supportive people who are like with you and giving you that love and that support and that encouragement and 
all of a sudden all those bullies back in middle school, right? Like they're, they're, they're illusions. They, they, they're, they're not the truth, right? Like I'm, I jumped off the cliff into the cold water and this group of people saw me do that. And now I know that I am capable of more than I originally thought I was. So like the, the, the retreats to me have always been kind of a container for that sort of rewriting of who you are in, in, in a positive direction, right? And the facilitation of how do you rewrite that story of who you are in, uh, in that positive direction. And like over the years, like I haven't missed a return to the source since 2015 and just seeing the level of awareness and facilitation for all levels of people. Like we get old folks who have not moved very much in their lives and we get athletes and we get young people like just seeing each one of those people come to the same event and be able to have their own transformative experiences where they leave feeling stronger, feeling more connected. Um, I think that's, that's really, really special. And it's what really keeps calling me back. So yeah, that's. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. yeah that's wonderful. Heartfelt. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, tell us your story. So you came as a student two years ago, right? Or 2019? Oh, you're muted. Sorry. I had to mute you because you were going to ask. Unmute you. Well, yeah, and I'm there you are. Um, yeah, you know, a, a friend of mine who was also taking a bunch of classes with me out in, um, in Boston came to a retreat, him and Molly. And Molly was pregnant. Oh, yeah. And they yeah, just yeah. raved about it. So I really wanted to check out what you did. And, um, came as a student. And I think what blew me away was the Pacific Northwest. It's so amazing. The trees are huge. You know, it was just like a, a landscape I hadn't, I hadn't deeply interacted with. Um, I had been to Seattle a few times and mainly was in coffee shops, but I wasn't out this amazing nature. And um, your dad's place, Sunray Shire, is absolutely amazing. And I don't know how long it's going to be a part of the retreat thing, but God, the buildings were just, they just blew me away. Like just stepping into architecture that's made from earth, made from um, the materials that surround it and made with the blatant disregard for convention <laughs> um yeah <laughs> so your dad's architecture really blew me away so i know that like after coming back from that retreat i felt like wow i spent a whole week outdoors and even when i was indoors i felt like i was outdoors in the best possible way um yeah and then being on the on the other side of it as it's it's really wonderful to see the the amount of story crafting and content honing that that is part of it as well. Um, yeah, I think that's it for my. I'll I'll, I'll let Kyle kind of talk a little bit more. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, I don't know what a retreat is like fully for the students, but my hope and what I imagine is that it's a magical call to adventure. 
you show up and I, yeah, kind of what Aaron said. So when you've never been to the Pacific Northwest, it is, it's quite different. It's, it's on this larger than life scale. And when you go out there, the trees, everything's just bigger. And then you enter into this land with these really big and crazy looking buildings that are round and jagged and have women carved into them and tree roots hanging out so you enter into this magical village where there's like rolling hills and uh trout ponds and saunas that look like they literally like built into the earth so when you arrive at this place for me it always feels magical that there's this sense of awe and reverence um just simply like the viewing pleasure of, of looking and being in the place. And then my hope is to, is to bring that imagination and that adventure to life through uh, facilitating games that are meant to bring people alive, experiences that are meant to bring people alive, like the things that you see and hear about, the things that you watch and movies and, and you wish that you had in your life my hope is to like bring little nuggets of that into this adventure so that when you leave you leave with a story that is almost unbelievable go to magical mountains and valleys and trees you get to connect and play with people of all ages and types from all over the world um and like robert said you get this deep sense of your own potential. You, maybe you don't fully tap the well, but you get a look inside. You get to shine the candle kind of down the well tube and you realize that there's a lot of depth, that you have a lot of capabilities and there's a lot of people who want to support you and helping you become just alive and connected to each other and the earth and, and that's so much what these retreats and and these adventures are about is kind of rekindling the sense that there might just be magic left in the world yeah uh, i love that idea rekindling wonder um i always think of it as I mean, I guess the very short version of the story that I tell people is it's it's nature, it's parkour, um, martial arts, wilderness connection, um, and community out in a really beautiful place. And ultimately, we do it because it helps people experience life as much more deeply meaningful and discover their own best character and learn how to cultivate it. That's that's kind of what we're what we're interested in. So. At this point, I'd love it if, you know, you guys, it doesn't always have to be me asking the questions like anyone who wants to jump in has something they want to talk about, uh, you know, go ahead. But I think the next question I wanted to ask you guys was just like, what, were, what was your personal big takeaway from this year of, of retreats together? What, what did you get out of it? And like, you could talk about that. You could also talk about like, what were the highlight moments? Like, what was the moment that was like, oh, wow, I want to sit with that one and remember that one and come back to that one. Um, again. So uh, let's just to whoever, whoever feels called unmute and, and jump in and, and share something. This year was really interesting for me because I 
usually have been very, very, very active in the coaching role. And because of injuries and, and various reasons, like I was more of a uh, on the sidelines type of role this time around. And it was a little rough at first, like, because I think I had, I had, I had kind of wrapped some level of my identity in, and, and my, my value in the community as being that central, more central coaching figure. And I was able to kind of understand by the end of it that like, even if I wasn't able to show up the way that I really wanted to, like there was still a lot of love and support, not just from like the students who showed up, but also from the faculty. Like Kyle was always checking on me. Rafe, you always checking on me. Aaron was always checking on me. And I felt that I was able to still give as much as I could in the places where I was, was, was needed, even if I wasn't able to show up exactly the way that I dreamed of, you know, like these events are really, you know, they're coming for months and months and months. And you have all these dreams about what's going to happen and like, oh, you're training for it. And, and then in my case, you know, like a week before the event, I'm, I'm at a drunken wedding party and I do the splits and tear my hamstring. <laughs> and it's like, well, uh, we're going to have to figure out, you know, what this looks like now. And, and it was beautiful. Like I came away feeling very supported, feeling like I was more than just the tricks I could do or the, 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 you know, the, the clever things I could uh, say to help people learn specific movements in specific places. I would like, it was a community that really just wanted me to be present and be a part of it. And that felt beautiful. That was like, it kind of, it was another rewrite of that, like who you are kind of thing. It's, it's, it's like, you're also not just your, the, the sum of your physical skills, right? But you're, you're this person that's loved and, and cared for. And yeah, that was, that was really powerful for me, so. That was kind of my big takeaway. It was, it was really nice to just like the, the the highlight. I think was like at the autumn retreat. We we did the uh, every every clan had to do the story right, and I I had kind of gotten to the point where I was the the leader of the Viking clan, and they had written this written this song, and they they came up right before they were going to perform it, and they're like, "Here's a bongo drum. Since you're the the leader, we want you to." To, to be a part of this and so I got to be there and like hit the drum and they were singing it was this beautiful awesome funny really witty song and like it's like any doubt that I had about being worthy or being you know important there was just completely stripped away by like the community coming in and like embracing me and, and being like let's have this amazing experience together so it's it's really cool when when you can come to these things for a long time and you kind of get into a route of like this is what I do here then that's not the whole picture, right? There's always, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's always more to it, more ways to be loved and supported. You forgot a key detail, the punctual Vikings. The punctual yeah. Vikings. <laughs> yeah, they're never late. Never late. watching right now. They're, they're here. <laughs> so just to give some context for, for anyone who's watching this who's never been to one of our retreats, um, we... I, I discovered you know, many years ago as a teacher that I could, I had a gift for remembering specific kind of material. Like I could, I could remember the citation of a specific author from which I was getting an idea and I could give people really detailed scientific, uh, you know, justifications for what we were doing and why we were training the way that we were. And people were impressed by that. But I found that when I could tell them a personal story, when I could tell them something from my own life that 
was the root of why we were training, that it had a lot more power, that it seemed to stick with them more. It seemed to move them more deeply. People would be like engaged here by the science, but they were engaged, you know, at their heart level by the story. And I felt like oh, that's, that's going to stick with people more. That's going to have more of an impact. So I started really digging deep into like, how do I tell stories as a way of helping people learn the lessons that I'm sharing? And then I discovered Jordan Peterson. Anyone who knows me knows the influence Peterson's had on me. So I started telling some of the archetypal stories that he had. And two years ago at um, the Autumn Retreat in 2019, um, we had this idea, well, what if we asked, like, maybe there needs to be a communal element to the storytelling too, not just the teacher offering the story. And we asked people to, to compose their stories in little groups. And we have this, this fun tradition where we have people break up into clans um, at our retreats so that they can kind of organize each other well, check in with each other, do dishes together, et cetera. And so we had the clans tell the story of their experience. And it, it seems kind of like a silly thing, you know? Um, it seems, it's, not, it's not parkour, right? You're not jumping off of a building or a cliff. But people just loved it. It had so much meaning for them. And I really think that's important because I think that ultimately, in a lot of ways, what we are is a story, right? If you bumped your head and you woke up tomorrow and everything about you was the same, but you couldn't remember anything about your previous life, it's almost as if you died and an identical twin was born in your body. So the stories that we tell are so powerful and that's something that I think has been really interesting and transformative in our events is the, is the power of those stories. So I just wanted to give people some context about why are we, why are we doing this at the end? And, and it's amazing. The creativity that's come out at these things is okay. incredible. We've had haikus. We had two amazing musical performances at this year. We had an interpretive dance. <laughs> we had a very traditional Irish story about 10,000 years of, <laughs> you know, years. struggle. Um, or many, many 10,000 years. Uh, so yeah, so that was great. And I, I wanted to also shout out um, Reese and Henry, who are our assistants at the Autumn Retreat uh, in coaching, who you know made it so much easier to deal with, with Rob being injured. So those guys aren't on, on the panel today, but you'll, you'll hear more and see more from them in the future. We love those guys. And Sarah, uh, as well. and Sarah yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Yeah, I'll just, just kind of add to that, like, it seems like such like a, again, like a trivial or like childish thing, but man, the stories that people tell are so epic and hilarious and fun and engaging. And, you know, if you watch like a, a promo video for return to the source, you probably see a lot of like cool movement in nature things. But for me, like there's so much, that happens that is facilitated by the students and that's what I really like about this like this is not a top-down like fire hose like you're gonna get information from us like this is a collaborative experience and everybody who comes is contributing like you know uh when we were playing king of the log right like the group this game that we were playing on the beach that we had made up at the last retreat, the group was also 
uh, king of the course. <laughs> figuring out the rules. They were, yeah, king of the course. They were figuring out the rules. They were shaping the game. And that's what I love is everybody who comes to these experiences, they're shaping and adding and contributing um, to the experience that, that, that is continually building for the next group and the next group. And um, that's what I just love. It's just such a collaborative experience. And so many of the best things come from the students and are unplanned and like unprovoked. And um, they just emerge in really beautiful ways. So I'm always just stoked at all the awesome people that come. And I'm just like, oh, I want to take them all home back and hang out with me. Like, I feel like I, I gain and lose 20 friends yeah. um, in a weekend. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, king of the course. It's the best game in the world. It's like, it's like tribute, you know, it happened. Yeah. Although, <laughs> no, Washington might be the best game in the world. Oh, oh, we got some competition. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, some of the highlights, I can think of a few from just this year. Um, and not to name names of people who came, but watching people overcome their fears. Like, you know, really sit there at the edge of a cliff and not want to go, but sit there, you know, and then finally jump and then like the sparkle in the eye afterwards. And, and the fact that after that first jump, they can just keep doing it, right? They just broke through. Um, that's amazing. And then I'm just thinking of like little conversations and moments I've had with individuals around the campfire. Um, so many amazing people come with such a breadth of knowledge and um, experience. And it's just wonderful to just talk to people and learn. I learn so much from like individual conversations I have. Um, so yeah, I think like campfire and just conversations are, are really big for me. And then the other highlight is actually watching you all shine. Like, what's Kyle gonna say next? Oh my God, he's so good. Kyle's so good at this, you know? Or like that last talk you gave towards the end of our, um, our autumn retreat, Rafe, that was like the best talk I've heard you give. It was all the content was there. There was so much heart. It was so funny, you know? It was just like, oh, what, watching, watching my friends evolve as teachers which doesn't mean they're shining as teachers. It means they're shining as teachers and connecting with the, the crew, you know, and creating a space that's inviting for everyone else to shine. Like that's, that's really beautiful. Like the, um, the contact improv you and I did at return to source this year, mm -hmm. Rob it was awesome. It was like some of the best dancing I've done when we were demonstrating. So yeah, yeah moments like that really stand out for me. For me. Um, yeah, all the things you guys said, everything you say, just like my heart is just feeling warmer and warmer and warmer as I, I remember it. Um, but I guess the moments, the moments that stand out for me were definitely the creation of King of the Course. Because, you know, so much of what we do is about this idea that we have to respect the, the autonomy of students and the authenticity of something. And that we're, we're not so much just teaching a skill we are really trying to create an environment in which a student can grow. And that means that what's on the paper of what we're gonna teach is never exactly what ends up getting taught. And there's this opportunity for like crazy things to emerge. And 
with COVID, you know, I didn't get a chance to teach for like nine months. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't, or I, yeah, I mean, I guess it was a year. I like, cause I, I hadn't really taught in the Evolve Move Play context. I taught some MMA classes, but I hadn't taught in the Evolve Move Play context for a full year when we got there in, in July. And I'd been thinking and thinking and thinking and having all these conversations. And, and I, you know, I wrote a curriculum that was based on the stuff that we'd done in the past. And then as we were teaching, it was like all the stuff that I had been, that had been wanting to come out of me, couldn't come out until we were there with the people. And we started playing King of the Log, which is a game we've played for years where you just try to wrestle each other off a log. And then I had this idea of like, oh, let's do a, you, you don't win when you wrestle the other guy off. You have to make it to the other side and jump to another log. And then we, then we added a whole course and then we made it a team game where two teams are trying to get past each other to get to the other side and score a point. And it all just emerged and people were having so much fun. And we just saw like all the layers of what is, what I love about involvement play, which is it's alive, right? It's, it's about being able to solve problems in the moment. It has physical contact. It has the martial arts aspect, it has the parkour element aspects. We were doing this with found equipment in the environment, right? We were doing it with rocks and logs that we found on the beach and we were constructing this course. So that to me was just like, it, it had so much. Oh, and it was, it was communal, right? And there were strategizing and people working together as a team. So to me, that was just, it was just so much fun and people just were so in it on such a deep level. And it was really fun to come back and then like the, the first time we ever did it was a return of the source. And the second time we ever did it was at the autumn retreat and we hadn't had any chance to put it together since then. And so we we're putting it together and it was kind of like awkward at first. And there were so many questions about the rules and it, it didn't just emerge the second time we had to impose it. And it took a while for it to kind of cohere. And then once it cohered, it went absolutely bananas again. And Henry, like I saw him play at a level like of intensity that was just absurd. So that was a really cool moment for me. Um, and it really just, it just made me think about how I, I really, I think it's so powerful to be able to create these spaces where we can let things emerge. So that was a big one for me. And then the other personal big one for me was um, just getting to tackle people playing King of the Hill. I hadn't been able to tackle people in a long time and I was injured at Return of the Source. So at the autumn retreat, when I, I was like, I'm going to be the shark, <laughs> I'm going to be the king of the sharks and all you men has got to get past me. And I tackled Thomas and just, I just felt so good. It was one of the best feelings of my life, honestly. Um, tackling people is fun. <laughs> so, so that was big for me personally. Um, but I would say that actually the biggest takeaway I got from this year, and it's something that has been building and something that we've done in every previous year, but I really, really felt it in this year was the power of giving space to negative emotion. Mm. Like so many people feel like they have to, that they're failing if they're not happy and pleased all the time and that they're, and that being letting out some negative emotion is going to create a fight or it's going to create a conflict or they, they can't handle it. They can't handle it with the people there and being able to create a space where people are able to be like, I don't, I don't get what's happening here, or I'm not, this isn't working for me as well as I wanted, or, you know, i just have a big emotion. I'm, I'm feeling sad or this, this is all happening and being, and just like having a culture as a tribe that says, okay, like let's process it. 
And like, it's okay. It's, there's nothing wrong with whatever emotion you're currently feeling. It's always okay to have the emotion that you're having. It doesn't mean that it's correct, right? In the sense that it, it, it points in the right direction, but it, it exists for a reason. And when it's acknowledged and, and given voice, it's amazing how sometimes the really intense negative emotions can actually be the gateways to the most profound feelings of, of aliveness and enlightenment and, and, and growth. So that was my big takeaway from this year. So true. Like, grief of any kind, like, is it, 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 it requires a shared experience to actually be processed. Like you, it's so hard to get through any sort of grief, just sitting in your own head, you start to spiral down these. That's kind of what was happening with me when I was for the first couple of days while I was injured, I was like, so-and-so people are taking my spot as coaching. Other people are really shining. I don't really need to be here, blah, blah, blah. And I started going down these old dark corridors. But as soon as I voice that to you guys and I feel that support and you also like, yeah, I've been injured before too. And, you know, I also have felt like this before. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm part of this community still and they care about me. And now I don't have to let this be such a burden. And it's, it's so powerful. Yeah, Rafe, when you, when you, when you were talking about um, the king of the course game and how the second time it didn't quite work, there's this beautiful moment I remember when we were actually, I don't know if we were considering abandoning the game, but there's a level of frustration in the group that was palpable. And just letting it, you know, I think I said something like, not knowing the rules and being confused is part of it, you know? This is like you're on a playground and some of you know some rules and some of you know some other rules, but not everyone knows all the rules. You're going to have to figure it out. And um, like the coherence that happened after that frustration or that happened through that frustration made that experience so rewarding. And I think, you know, giving space for frustration, negativity, um, resistance is really wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember that sense that there that that there was a frustration in the group, and I remember being like, both like attuned to it, and also being like, I know a hundred percent that it's going to come together, and it's going to be better because there was this sense of frustration, almost like that. The, the, the coherence after is is profound. Um, yeah. So, Kyle, I feel like you've been quiet for a little bit. I'm curious what's what's on your heart to share. Um, I'm just actually watching these geese are like trying to drown each other and it's oh, pretty, it's kind of terrible, but also hilarious. They're like, these geese are kind of like posturing and then they're trying to like drown these like smaller geese. So I was, um, caught up in that a little bit as I was listening to it. And yeah, I think I love, I appreciate the, like the, yeah, that we're talking about it. Um, even, you know, we're not only trying to highlight the positive aspects and, and just shine the like bright balloons and lights and like, this is the greatest thing. It's so it's just everything is good. It's always good. Do you know what's good? It's good. Um, it's better than good. And, <laughs> and that, 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 that all of those emotions is like what makes it like epic that makes it adventurous it has an arc like like you know it, it, it's interesting it's you know like you often have been saying in your recent podcast like 
there needs to be some sort of conflict or or deal or like if everything is just goes the way it was always supposed to go it's an uninteresting story or an yeah. uninteresting experience <laughs> um yeah and it's hard as a facilitator to be like ah, like we're behind on time like we gotta go like there's 10 more things we're supposed to do today like you know and, it, and it's hard to be in that um and it but it's so beautiful to watch if you can weather the storm and and be attentive to what's actually happening in the moment and let the plan fall away and the experience emerge like the level of beauty that comes from that and like i said it's not always like nice and fun and and good um but that's what makes it like oh like memorable it makes it like a story worth telling so yeah. I, I just appreciate y'all sharing that yeah i suppose if, if people showed up and were like yeah i got exactly what i expected it was good <laughs> if anybody says it was good if i see a review that says it was good we need it was, to change it was good it. okay <laughs> <laughs> like uh-oh we've gotten too rote you know that's that's the for some reason it reminds me of like what i found really compelling about jordan peterson um which was that every time you listen to him he he you could see that he was thinking his way through the stuff that he was talking about as it was happening and he was taking risks intellectually to share the edges of his thinking and that's what made him so compelling it's 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 the difference between you know a gymnastics routine and like a you know a freestyle tricking you know some uh performance where someone's improv improvising and finding what they're capable of in the moment and that's that's ultimately to me so much more interesting the this aspect of aliveness you know it's like we're playing playing jazz i guess not uh classical music i suppose um but there is that impro improvisation element which is huge yeah yeah and with that 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 metaphor is interesting because you know you have a jazz set you have a band you're going to jam together, but you kind of know, we're going to start with this. We're going to end with this in between. You're going to solo first. You're going to solo, but there's like these, these beautiful things that emerge and this listening that happens. Um, so for me, a big highlight was actually really just being part of a team for the first time in my life, a coaching team. I yeah. tend to teach on my own and um, mainly because I don't like teaching with other people because they <laughs> fuck shit up. You know, they just don't do it right. It's like, I could do this better. Yeah. Um, but I know for certain I, can't, I couldn't do the retreat better without the whole, the team behind it, right? We each bring something really unique. Um, and when someone's fully bringing, like when I'm fully bringing, I know that there's some other people watching and seeing what the next move is. So I can actually like, oh, fully bring and then just fade away while something else is being fully brought. That's, that's a really nice thing to participate in. Yeah, that is definitely one of the highlights for sure is just being part of a team that you trust so much and also just have so much enjoyment in watching people in their joy and in their power, you know, like, mm. uh, 
Aaron, like you, you know, I've, I've talked about the idea that you're, you've really mastered the art of the coach as clown, mm -hmm. right? And how that, that, that trickster coyote um, energy is such a cool aspect to add. And it, I think it particularly, it's really valuable at like our retreats because, because I think my energy is so much in the opposite to that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, to balance you out, I have to have articulate incoherence. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so would that make me incoherent articulants? I don't know. <laughs> so Kyle, Kyle, in the H shields model, I, I don't know the H shields model, but you guys talk about it a lot. Like, what is that that dynamic we're talking about? The, it's like the North versus. Can you tell us a little bit about that, and maybe about the H shields model and how that's impacted the aspect of the coaching that you offer? Yeah, so Aaron would be our northeast. It's kind of like the unnamed. <laughs> we don't quite know what's gonna happen. It's the the sacred and the profane part. Um, but the eight shields model is essentially um, based around the eight directions, and under the idea that each direction has like an archetypal energy, and so the real quick of it is like the east is right it's where the sun generally rises um and that's inspiration that's welcoming right it's all the things that you think and feel of a sunrise right and the east is like the the inspiring person the like energy that's the person who holds the energy and the the southeast is that orientation right it's mid-morning you're trying to figure out what you got to do for the day you know, it's like, um, yeah, it's that orientation phase. And it's also that play, that, uh, that area of like child's passions where you help transition um, from that inspiration. Now you have this electric energy, you need to transition it into the South. And the South, right, is noon where the sun's high overhead and you're deep in the work of the day. The South is the perspiration. Right. And the South is like logistics, like Rob is our South. Right. He's holding all of these logistics. It's a lot of hard work. It's like timely. Um, it has to be done. It's it's very like da, 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 da. Um, but the Southwest is it's very much not that it's very much the rest in relaxation. Right. A lot of cultures have siesta at this time of the day. So this later afternoon, you're kind of wandering. This is where things start to emerge, right? Like this is where you stop teaching. And then this is where a lot of the content emerges in this, in this downtime. And, and for the staff, that's the caring and tending part. Um, that's, that's our cooking staff. That's, that's Sarah checking in with folks, making folks are drinking water and checking in on injuries and just general fatigue and making sure everybody's nourished. And then I'm really like the West. I'm kind of like the East West. I got that like high energy, but the West is like holding the community, right? The West is when the sun is setting is the gathering of people and the gathering of energies. Um, and the West is typically the MC, kind of MCing all the things. And then as you move into the Northwest, that's that like post dinner kind of time of the day. That's like when you're reflecting back on the day. 
um, tends to be like people like I think um, Reese and Henry were really like our Northwest. They're like tending fires and they're kind of behind the scenes doing a lot of tending of things and making things happen. Um, and then the North is, is like the big, the biggest picture vision. Um, it, it's also like midnight, it's winter, it's, it's uh, self-sufficiency. It's like you, you've made it, you've gone through all of those phases in your life right or in this skill or in this thing and that's great race great is our north he's holding the big picture of this experience and and what's where does it need to go what what who you know he's not like doing the things but he's empowering everybody else in their gift to step up and be like we need a little bit more of that we need a little bit more of this and kind of guiding the ship um but not necessarily steering it Think of like Rob is kind of the person like steering a lot of the things and we're all kind of moving the parts, but he's making sure that we're headed uh, to shore. And then, we, then it ends up back in the Northeast, which is that, that midnight, that early morning where it's like, there's, it's like that blur. If you've ever been uh, early in the morning, there's a moment where color enters the world. That's like the Northeast. It's like the beginning, it's the ending, it's the conception, it's the death. It's like all of that kind of mystery um, in there. So that's a very brief <sighs> ran around the wheel. Nice. Thank you. Uh, a lot of, uh, of beauty to our events and seeing those different strengths come out of people. And how also they're they emerge in sometimes in the relationship between people. Like you, you may you may have a little bit of different elements, and then but you can sink into one and really hold it for a group when um when you have a really strong team around you. And so it's just super fun to to just feel that all those roles are being held well by the people who 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 facilitate these events for us. And uh, yeah, the other. Another moment for me was just sort of, I think it was watching you talk, uh, Kyle, about building fire when you're doing the, uh, the water balloon fire challenge, um, which was super cool. I'd never seen that before. Uh, and I was just like, man, it's so, it's so amazing to, to watch you as a coach, like have all these strengths that you already carry from the wilderness awareness world. And then like, see now your progression in the parkour, um, is so high. It's so, it's so rad. I just watched your recent leaf catching video and all the flips you're doing, all the, all the sweet runs up into the trees. I'm just like, it's like, it's amazing to see that being carried forward. So that, those are kind of highlights for me. Um, and, and you know, um, Aaron, just the storytelling, like my kids, my kids talk about you and your storytelling all the time. So, so maybe you tell us a little bit about about why you think storytelling is such an important part of, of building a movement culture that really that really helps people transform in, in powerful ways um, and, and how you go about becoming a storyteller. Um, so, like, why are we doing any of it? <laughs> That's the question that I keep coming back to. Like, I used to, when I was deep into yoga, I had the sense that if I got a handstand, I would be happy. 
I just wanted to have a handstand. I'd be so cool. I'd look so cool. I'd get a handstand. I'd be happy. And then I got a handstand. I was happy for like three seconds, you know? And then it's like, no, I need to do a handstand with my leg behind my head. That's what's going to make me happy, right? So there's like these achieving the skill thing. Achieving the skill really didn't make me happy. But the journey of achieving the skill was really interesting. But I only found that out after achieving a few things. Um, I really needed to achieve those things before realizing it didn't matter. But like the, the process of achieving was interesting. And I think story holds that kind of truth um, and many, many, many other truths because that's just one boring truth. Truth is kind of boring. That's the thing. And story can hold so many truths in such a eloquent, mixed up, beautiful, layered way that I don't have to moralize or preach when I tell a story. I can just tell a story, especially if it's a story that's been passed down through generations and kind of honed through many mouths and many lips and, and many tellings. What I think what survives is essential symbolic truth that is multifaceted, multi-layered. Um, and I really started telling stories. It was kind of an edgy thing for me, but I was teaching out in Europe, in, in Switzerland. And I had been kind of listening to Jordan Peterson and super interested in story, but I realized at, at the opening circle of my workshop that there was a mathematician, a doctor, a garbage man, someone who worked in a cafe, someone who um, was an ex-military Israeli special forces, right? There were so many different backgrounds and a bunch of bankers from, from Switzerland and insurance salesmen and stuff. So many different worlds. And I wanted to create a common language that we could all speak. So I told this story and it was amazing that all these like uptight people started relaxing and just kind of like kids, they sat crisscross applesauce, little slump, starry eyed, just listening to the story. And then after the story was told, we played games. I like to play a lot of games and then I do dialogue while we're playing the games. And I observed that the dialogue was actually, like I was playing and I kind of felt like the old lady. I felt like the old lady that was gonna lure you into my hut. It was amazing. I was playing and I felt like the serpent, you know, like there's layers and layers. So it's like the, the symbolism of the story became the lingua franca, it became the common language. Um, so that's one of the reasons I like to tell stories. It's interesting. I feel like it's a superpower that's been forgotten, right? Like my kids would rather listen to you tell a story than watch a movie, right? Um, but but people don't develop it. You know, I have this 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 whole rant about how you know, as wonderful as capitalism is in developing a lot of like material wealth that supports us all and not starving and everything. Um, it, it has this thing where it, it narrows what a human being is by getting you to focus only on your comparative advantage. And so we end up, we end up, we end up giving away more and more of our personal culture to professionals. So we don't cook anymore. We let professionals do that. We don't make build things anymore. We let professionals do that. We don't, sing anymore. We let professionals do that. We don't tell stories anymore. We go watch movies. We read books. Um, <laughs> you know, it's gotten so ridiculous. Like we literally 
aren't even having sex anymore. We're just letting professionals do that for us. Like yeah, what we watch and yeah. it's, it's hilarious. Like, I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Like the amount of porn consumption has gone through the roof while the actual amount of sex that people is having is going down and down and down. Like we are literally giving away everything about ourselves to smaller and smaller professional classes. Um, and so when you, when you see something like story or like song, like that's another huge thing that happens in our retreats and, uh, <laughs> Aaron, are you still there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, it, it's, it's, it's incredible to see the power that that has. And there were, there were a couple of things that came up for me and what you were sharing. One is, um, you said truth isn't interesting. I think it's more that facts aren't interesting. I think truth is something bigger. And uh, John Ravakey introduced me to this idea of the difference between a sign and a symbol. A sign is something that has like a one-to-one -one correspondence with what it signifies, right? Um, a stop sign. A symbol is something that points at something transcendent that can't be fully captured. And and so facts are, are, are what we've been able to make signs in some sense. But stories are those things that point us at the symbolic, which always, is in some sense, points us towards the transcendent. So that's, a, that's an interesting thing. I, I don't know how <laughs> much more to say about that, but I think it's a really interesting thing to, to study. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate all the storytelling you bring. Uh, to the retreats. Rob, I feel like you've been quiet for a little bit. I'm curious what's what's on yeah. your mind to share. What's I, I, was, I was just thinking about like the importance of empathy when it comes to listening to a story or being or telling a story. Like you can tell me all the scientific facts and the research and the studies and stuff, but like when I'm hearing a narrative, it's very easy for me to either put myself in the position of the main character or whatever it may be, or to feel the feelings that the characters are going through. And so like as far as trying to impart actual wisdom and understanding about a certain thing that you're symbolizing. And it's like, there's, there's no parallel to having the ability to craft uh, a story. And I don't think I've ever met anybody better at that than Aaron. Like, I, I, I really want to, like, if you come up with like some sort of storytelling workshop, let me know. Cause I will be your first student. Like, I know. <laughs> Like, I feel like I'm pretty good at telling stories and I've told a lot of stories at the, at these retreats, but then Aaron showed up and I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I feel like such an amateur. <laughs> like just wow. the way he uses that, like the level of your, your, the volume of your voice and the tension in silence. And then the way you embody different characters and, and it's just gripping. It's like, I, I'm a full grown man. And I just like, want to like, just listen to everything you say. I'm hanging off of every word. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, you like you create expectations in the story that like never happen. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. You're like, I'm like, oh, I know where he's going with this. And as soon as I think that thought, it's like you knew I thought the thought and you intentionally were like, well, I wasn't going to do this, but now we're going over <laughs> here. Somebody <laughs> thinks they know where the story's going, so going somewhere else. <laughs> See, there's a trick to that, though, which is interesting because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot with story structure. So twists are powerful, but they're only powerful if they're coherent. Right. 
So you want to create an expectation and then you don't meet that expectation, but the thing that you meet ends up making just as much sense as the, uh, as the thing that was expected. If it doesn't make just as much sense, then it's not really a story anymore. It's just a random collection of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those open-ended random characters from Game of Thrones that never really got <laughs> addressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We killed people that you didn't expect us to kill. Um, well, I mean, as, as we're talking about this, it, it reminds me of, um, or it doesn't remind me, it makes me think of the story of the retreats, Yeah, it, which is something that we've been talking about. We want to focus more on the story mm-hmm. than just the content and also the um like kurt vonnegut jr had this idea of mapping out stories and the many shaped stories have yeah. and stories are essentially like a collective inhale or a collective exhale or a collective inhale exhale ex- but mm-hmm. you know there's stories that start from rags to riches rags yeah. to riches back to rags and back to riches is even more exciting yeah. you know yeah. riches to rags back to riches to rags is interesting that's a tragedy right yeah. so there's these different um movements or, or human kind of arcs that that a story can embody and in our retreats I'm, I really like what Kyle brings which is I mean Kyle and I have been collaborating on the, the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies which create the in a sense I don't like using the word sacred but it creates a it we open up a space that's different and distinct from everyday life with the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony and within that space we have we're in a liminal space so we have the the permission and the room to be different than who we usually are which means that when we get back to regular life we can bring some of those new things that that we've learned at least um that's the way i see it and I think play is a similar, every game has an opening and a closing. And a retreat yeah. is a beautiful place to have openings and closings. Thousands of openings and closings, right? An opening conversation, a closing conversation, a game that opens something up and then we close it. And we're just stacking um, amazing little experiences on top of each other. Uh, so it's very potent. Yeah, I think- uh, Technology for transformation. Like if I look back at like the, the the original seminars that I started coming to back in like 2015 versus what we're doing now, like that's one of the most powerful things. So it's just that that portal into this slightly different dimension and then closing the portal on the opposite side. It's just, it, it, it makes, it emphasizes everything that happened during that time, you know? Yeah, we had a, you know, I've been doing like the interviews with everyone who came to the the seminars this last year and like in particular the the opening ceremony for the autumn retreat has been occasioned a lot of like oh my god like you got to do that again like that that took me somewhere uh somewhere unlike unlike you know unexpected so we won't talk too much about that because we got to leave got to leave 10 percent behind the scenes mm-hmm. gotta be some mystery yeah. mystery but um one thing that was kind of coming up for me as you were talking about that is like, we've been talking about this idea of, of meaning and, uh, and this idea around the story as a symbol and how a symbol is different from a sign and how that's related to how storytelling impacts something that giving people a set of facts doesn't. It actually reminds me of the conversations I've been having with uh, John Verbeke and Nick Winkleman, right? About the role of analogy and coaching, right? Mm-hmm. 
like an a you can tell you can give an athlete like mechanical instructions on what a skill should look like and it might help them it might actually hurt them it might get in the way of their performance but a lot of times what what seems to be the most powerful tool to use to actually change someone's motor behavior is an analogy which is basically a story right like a really simple one that that nick talks about is this idea of take off like a jet plane not a helicopter when you're sprinting so we can all have this image in our mind of this slow gradual rise rather than this abrupt rise you can think about the acceleration phase of sprinting and what that does is it it kind of takes a proposition and it helps embed it down at that perspectival participatory layer that um, that uh, that Verveke talks about. And I just think about if you know if we're thinking about the idea of how how do we extract the lessons from a physical practice and help people more deeply embody them. Like the facts are still really valuable for validation, but but there's, there is this necessity, I think, really, for stories as places where you can, you can get everything penetrating to deeper layers. And, you know, it, it's such a funny thing. I mean, we think we know things because we know them. Um, and then we fail to do them all the time. <laughs> it's like everybody knows that, you know, they shouldn't eat that extra piece of cake, but so many of us fail at that. <laughs> um, so it's like, what is the difference between knowing something propositionally and what it, and, and knowing it at the level where it truly transforms the way that you behave and maybe even transforms the, the way people behave around you. And I think there's something about stories, which is extraordinarily powerful there. And it's interesting because like I'm, I'm having that experience as we're talking, like I've known that the stories were a powerful part of what we did at Evolve and Play for a long time. But as we're talking about the element of story, I'm realizing that what we're trying to do with the movement maybe can't even be fully realized without the element of story. And I never conceptualized it that way until this conversation. I mean, like, if you look at Kyle's bird game, right? Like, you can tell me that jays will hunt the, you know, they'll, 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 they'll raid the nests of towhees and, and juncos and stuff. But then when you create a game where you're acting out these things and you're feeling that empathy of like, oh, I'm a bird that's trying to protect my nest from this person who's trying to rob me. It's like all of a sudden the, the, that, that level of understanding becomes part of your body. Like I think that making some action out of it, right, is, is really, it takes it from the, the cognitive like theory thing and it actually starts to make you feel the things and make you be like, oh, there's, there's, there's something that I can do here that changes the way that I'm perceiving the world. And so I think movement is integral for making the story good, just like the story is integral for making the movement good, right? They, 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 are mutually building each other up. Yeah. Um, reciprocal realization. Or insight cascade. This is how I know yeah. a conversation is good. It's like, oh, I'm having realizations. You just had one, right? There's this like 
I just had this realization about play, right? And the theatrical version of play. Like I'm gonna go watch a play. What I'm doing is I'm watching people participate in a story, be a character in a story or multiple characters, depending on how the play is constructed. So play, evolve, move, play. Play is participation in a story. Um, as one of its definitions. And I, I really, I, I like that, you know, to be a, a narrator, a participant, a teller of, a decoder of story seems to be pretty important. Yeah, it's interesting for me because I, in the last week I had, a, I did my second interview with Jonathan Pajot, right? And Pajot is, is, is this really intense thinker about stories and how they impact us. The symbolic world, and then I chatted with Verveki, um, uh, uh, a friendly conversation. Um, just to, just a, a catch up between us, but we talked about the frustration I have in the sense that the 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 meaning community doesn't really seem to get the movement aspect yet, mm. right? Like Verveki gets it, um, but like. A lot of people are like, they're like, oh, that's kind of interesting what's happening over there, but they don't quite get how integral it is. But there's well, this. I think they get it propositionally. They have yeah. a place in it. Oh, embodiment's important. Yeah. I'll go to the gym. It's not the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Embodiment's just... important. Let's lift weights. No. <laughs> Well, that's like Ken Wilber, right? Ken Wilber was all about bodybuilding because he, you know, he went deep down the kind of philosophical rabbit hole and ended up with like, okay, well, the body has to be important. And that's where, that's what was, that was, what was happening in the 1980s was bodybuilding. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've got better tools now, right? Better psychotechnologies as, as, uh, as Verveke would say, where we can create this reciprocal relationship between the the philosophy the storytelling and narrative and the physical practices and i think for me if anything if we if you really want to get at what emp is about that's probably what it's ha what's happening at our retreats mm. um and that's extremely exciting actually to be part of yeah can you say that again just like sum it up oh man i don't know i may have to remember i may have to watch it again and be like okay that's it but What's happening at EMP is creating a set of practices where you're reciprocally leveraging the power of philosophical, scientific, narrative, and physical practice, right? We want to put all those things, we want to couple those, right? Just like the game, right? I think, you know, again, the power of story, Kyle's, Kyle's uh, the game that he brings, the the um what's the name of that game kyle you have to unmute yourself but what's the name of the game uh nest robbers the nest robbers yes that's what it is the nest robbers game that's such a that's such a fun story about my own my own progression in these ideas because you know after kyle came as a student in 2014 um, which was the second year of return to the source uh, I invited him back to come as a coach and bring the wilderness awareness skills, right? I, I have some awareness of, of nature and got to share some of that. And people responded to that, but like having somebody who had really invested themselves professionally, that was powerful. And so 
he came one year and then the next year we had Jamie, who is another uh, student of WAS. And then Kyle came back. And I think it was that second time that Kyle was there as a coach that he introduced the Nest Robert game. And uh, I was sick that day. I had Lyme disease and I was, I, I, I was there long enough to realize what the game was, but then I like had to go and be sick at my mom's house and <laughs> leave the staff to take care of the event. Cause I was so ill, but I remember being like, ah, I don't get it. You know, it just seems kind of silly, right? There's this element of play that can seem really silly. And it was a couple more years. Right. And every year, like, I'd be like, ah, maybe I should participate, but I'm too tired and I've got my own stuff that I got to facilitate. So I got, I do need just like some space to be quiet for myself and I have to take advantage of this. And then the students would come back and they'd be like, oh my God, that was so amazing. That was the best game ever. I can't believe how much I learned. It's so great. And it wasn't until I was having this conversation with Vicky where I really grokked like the participatory. And I was like, God, oh, that's what Kyle's doing. Kyle's taking people into a participatory perspectival understanding of what it's like to be a bird. So that they can then invest themselves in understanding the meaning of the bird language around them with deep empathy, right? With a deep felt sense of why the bird language is happening. And, and that, and that, that gets right at it, right? That, that, that we, you can read what the Robin knows and you're going to get a lot out of it. But if you can read what the Robin knows and you can do this with Kyle, and then you can go do your own sit spot on your, by yourself. And then you can come back to community and share the story of what you've experienced. Right, so now you have the scientific, now you've got the narrative, now you have the play, now you've physically done it. Like that's going to afford a transformation that's on a, a, a totally different level than just listening to us talk about it or reading a book about it. And that's, that is, I think, really the power of what we're doing um, is, the, is a space that allows all those layers to, to happen reciprocally, to realize themselves reciprocally. Hmm. I think that's so important right now. I just watched a video. Uh, there's a channel called like stories of old and they did a yeah. video recently on the death of nature. And he's talking about it kind of in the same vein as like the death of God and how when we perceive ourselves as being separate from nature, right? We aren't able to actually interact with it in a way that we're, where we can care for it and, and, and do the things that we need to take care of it and, and how that relates to climate change and stuff anybody who gets a chance to watch it should check it out but it's like when I play these games with that Kyle sets up and uh and then I take it home and I you know I read the books and stuff like that it's like I don't feel like a separate entity from what's going on in the natural world around me as much it's like and then I know how to move through nature with all the natural parkour that we're working on and it's I'm learning how to forage and there's just this whole sense of like it's like there's a wild human inside of me that is getting nurtured into being. And by doing that, I, I feel a deeper connection that, that guards me against all the, the weird sense of meaningless and anxiety and depression stuff. Social media will have me like feeling like you're completely cut off from anything of import. And it's like, oh, I can go out and, and listen to the birds in my front yard and go pick some mushrooms and 
I know what the different species are and I can go slide down this ravine and it's like now it's all of a sudden my day is an adventure and I feel really good about what's going on. So it's like we're, we're, we're there's all these little things that we're dipping our fingers into as we're going through these practices that just make you feel so much more connected and alive in so many different ways. I really want to say thank you to Kyle for introducing me to so much of this stuff and being like a resource that I can reach out to on a regular basis. Be like, can I eat this mushroom? <laughs> what, the, what, what kind of bird is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think just what we're doing at Evolve Move Play is is creating a life worth living. Um, this idea, you know, a lot of people how was your day is a pretty common question when you come home and a lot of people are like what'd you do today how was your day they're like it's good i didn't do anything and you you uh, <laughs> i'm thinking of this i'm thinking of this line from a john prine song um angel montgomery whatever it's like angel, how can right. a person get up in the morning come back in the evening and have nothing to say yeah yeah <laughs> We've all been through those days, right? Like that's something that I've thought about is like, yeah, I want my life to involve as many days that would be fun to share as stories as possible, right? Like hopefully not brutal stories because <laughs> that, that's sometimes, you know, may you live in interesting times, but, um, but yeah, there is this sense that like, it's easy to fall into a life where you, in, in the modern era where it's like, get up and eat a prefab breakfast, right? And you sit down and do computer work and maybe you have some stress, whatever. You have another fruit, a couple more prefab meals. You sit down at the end of the day and watch America's Got Talent and um, and then, and then the day's over and you go to bed. And like, if someone asks you like, what did you do yesterday? It'd be like very little to share. Right. right. And often what you do share is the story that you, but I saw this amazing person. You yeah. Know, she was so talented. Did this yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that I just want fewer of those days for my own life and for all the people around me. That's pretty much, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. And yeah, it's, you know, just bringing our attention to those things. And, and even if, even if that was your day, I think still engaging in the art of telling your story, um, whatever your day, you know, however, you know, who deems what important is, is you, right? I'm going to go home and tell my partner about these geese and all these leaves that I caught today. And some people think that that's dumb and they don't care. And I don't care that they don't care. Um, but yeah, I think we're really onto something with this, this idea of storytelling. And it, it's obviously ancient and... Um, and human beings and i was just actually listening to this uh to joe rogan he's interviewing this neuroscientist and she was talking about meditation and that just a few years ago studying meditation was like career suicide yep. that it was kind of this thing that you don't really do or talk about it you kind of have to go about it as you're studying it 
And now the results that they're finding in, in people, in these, in these soldiers, and just people in general, their ability to enhance their their well-being through meditation is like, you know, Joe is like, why, like, why have we not been utilizing this technology? Like, why isn't every single kid learning how to meditate, like, on the daily? And I'm just having that experience about storytelling. Like, wow, like, some people don't ask me for my story. Some people don't care about my story. I don't know how to tell my story. I don't know what's worth telling. I don't know how to share my story in a way that's, you know, making it worth telling like you know we do a lot of this on social media we we tell these little snippets um and i think we're really on to something i think storytelling is is like meditation in that it's incredibly undertapped and underutilized and and has the ability to enhance our brain and our memory and our cognitive ability and and, and value um the value of our life and the meaning of our life. I think it's deeply, deeply tied to your meaning of life. Like if you don't have a, a story worth telling, like I, I'm imagining you would rate your life lower on the meaningful scale. So I'd be, I'd be curious to hear what you all have to say about that. And that's kind of a, like, a, yeah, I'm going to text. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to text John immediately after this and uh, ask, because he probably knows, he probably knows if there's research on that question. And I suspect that there has been, and that the answer is yes. Um, but I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe they haven't gotten there yet, but, um, but yeah, that, that, what's that? Oh, no, I, I just really love this idea of, um, cause, cause meditation and storytelling seem to be crucial. And in many ways, um, complementary but opposite in in the sense that my sense of meditation is I I enter a place where I finally drop my narrative mode I exit the story of my life for a moment and take a moment to just be pure consciousness which allows me to enter my life with a lot more um, I can participate more in the story of my life so I think having both of those skills um, is excellent Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah stillness and movement um, I wanted to, there's, man, I, I hope I can articulate this, but there's something that's coming up here, which is like, if you listen to Jonathan Pajot or, or Dave Warbin or people like that, there's this idea that, that the mythological is reemergent, that we, that, that we lived, we, we kind of got trapped in this rationalism that that was excessive and we can see it, you know, you say, we don't, we don't have the ability to tell stories. Well, our education system used to have theater and music and arts and play, like recess, much more emphasized. The memorization then, of poems, yeah. Poems, and then all of that got stripped out because it didn't result in facts that somebody could carry around in their head. And all of that was seen as, as, as sort of like frivolous to the education of the individual. Like, just think about what that represents for us. And then somehow there's this, there's this sense that like, there are myths that are emergent that are maybe misleading or maybe causing us to come into conflict with each other because they're not articulated that deeply yet, but we can't get outside of this mythic element. And I was listening to Peugeot talking, I think to Verveke, um, and he, they were talking about 
the role of myth in like traditional cultures. And they, I wish I could s- remember what they said because they captured a lot of the truth of it, but there was something that was really missing. And the thing that was missing was that myths actually, they are a, w- they are a way for traditional cultures to capture information that's directly relevant for survival, right? I, I remember I was teaching a workshop in I think 2016 in um, in the UK with Ben McNutt, who's another wilderness teacher, right, a bushcraft teacher, and he did uh, a a segment on star lore, right. So he took us out and had us look at the night sky, and he told us the Greek myths about the figures that make up the constellations, and then he told us about how you use those stories to find places in the sky that allow you to engage in dead reckoning. So if you're at sea and you need to be able to go somewhere or, or just go somewhere at all, um, and you don't have good reference, the stories actually make the facts about the stars more embodied in you. So you have access to them. And if you read Dave Ab- uh, David Abrams, The Spell of the Sensuous, this is, this is a huge thing that he goes into as well. He talks about the idea that there are Australian Aborigines who like traditionally when they walk from one place to another, they sing the story of the land and the land has a song that's unique to wherever you are. He talks about the idea of this. Uh, he talks about a story of a, of an Aboriginal man who was driving and he was, he was, he was reciting the song under his breath at like, you know, 500% normal speed. <laughs> Because he couldn't go past the land without, without the story of the land. It was, it was not right to travel in that way to him. And so I think that there's something that's really that we're, that we're capturing in, that's emergent in Evolve Move Play that's calling back to that mode of the mythic. That it's not just, it doesn't just tell us sort of overarching patterns about, you know, like the way humans behave but it's actually deeply tied to the land and to the, to nature in a way that helps us because we're storytelling animals way before we're scientific or, or, or fact-based animals, the best way to code it as deeply inside yourself as possible. The information that you need is again, to go to story, right? Just like Nick Winkleman's analogy. Um, So, yeah, I think there's something so deep in that idea um, and something so exciting about the fact that we're, discovering it together, you know, and that even, even on this call, we're discovering it better or articulating it better. It's sinking more deeply into us through conversing through dialectic, right? So we know what we're trying to do. We know what we are doing better after having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, One idea that I've heard to like memorize or remember dreams is to just give it a title. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, even the title just in the title it, it encompasses this whole story that happened. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking about that for Evolve Move Play. Like, if we gave each day of the retreat like a title, mm-hmm. like, you know, what would what would each day be called? And that's just kind of like fun to spin. Um, like maybe what, what, what would I call it ahead of time? And what would I actually, what would it, what would be the subtitle that emerges um, after each day? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think we could pick that up for sure in our story crafting for, for next year when we get on the next call. Well, like, I'm also just really glad that like, I feel very, very happy that we, we, we ran into John Verbeke when we did because like, there is also, you know, the, 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 the uh, agape, right? Like, yeah. You can have a story and a narrative that is aimed towards destruction and aimed towards something that, that actually like hurts yourself, your family, the, your community at large. But then like when you have a conception of like what is the good that you're aiming for and like what are the, the things that you're actually should be uh, trying to achieve through your story and it's like all of a sudden you can you can have kind of sights right like a bullseye sight to move you towards something that's actually beneficial for yourself or the community so like I'm, I'm really glad you found Verveke when you did this, yeah, you yeah. Have this conceptual framework yeah you know Verveke's yeah, Verveke and Peterson have been so beautiful and it's so funny. You, you call forth Verveke and I think like, it's like um, Peterson says, uh, well, it's a, I think it's a, a Jungian quote, right? Like people don't have ideas, ideas have people, right? We might extend that to stories, right? And then there's this idea that like, we're all our, acting out archetypal stories. Um, you might want to know you might, you might want to have an inkling what type of archetypal story you're in um, because you might end up in one that's not, that doesn't deliver for you <laughs> what you'd hope. And having that awareness and having that, that um, there's the word I'm looking for here. I, I think it's almost attunement, attunement to story um, might be one of the most important things that you could have to live a life worth living. And um, we, uh, we scheduled 90 minutes for this podcast. I believe we just hit 90 minutes. So I think maybe that'd be a good place to stop if you guys are feel satisfied. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel super inspired. And Yeah, this was so rich for me. And I, uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining me. And um, it's such a pleasure. Uh, so we're, we're going to, shut off the live stream everyone who's with us on zoom you guys can now uh ask us questions and for everybody else join us on podcast plus or in the academy and you too can can join us on uh on the on the on the uh the post yeah, post credit i see you over there Subscribe. on youtube Love it. join like. it buy it, Love it. <laughs> bell join icon it. Um, support us share us yeah. love us pretty sure you can get in jake so come join us <laughs> all right see you guys Bye, youtube hey you reached the end of another involvement play podcast if you enjoyed what you heard if you want to be involved in the conversation please consider joining us in our new membership subscription so you can get access to question and answers with our live speakers once a month question and answers with me once a month and a dedicated forum to discuss everything going on in the podcast, as well as a general discussion of movement on our general movement forums. If you're interested in that, make sure to check out the link below, get signed up and join a part of our membership community. If you can't join our membership community right now, it's still always helpful if you can like, share and subscribe and even hit that bell and get notifications for upcoming Evolve Movement Play podcasts. But audios for now and we'll see you next time. Thanks guys. <laughs>